Well, Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19, where I'll be reading from today. Here we have an account of ten lepers who encountered Jesus. God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word says, On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. May God's blessing rest upon the reading and hearing of his holy word today. Well, Thanksgiving is a, of course, national holiday here in the United States. It's also a national holiday in Canada, and we don't observe it on the same day. I believe they celebrate Canadian Thanksgiving in October. Uh, and there are other countries around the world who have similar holidays and observances. You can go Google that and learn all you want to know about Thanksgiving and harvest, uh, harvest celebrations in other, other lands, other countries. But in the United States, Thanksgiving was celebrated uh, by individual states from the time of the founding fathers. And then in 1863, President Lincoln called for Thanksgiving in all the states by presidential proclamation. But it wasn't until 1941 when Franklin Delano Roosevelt signed a joint resolution of Congress setting the fourth Thursday of November as the date of our national Thanksgiving holiday. Now it's great that we have this yearly holiday to remind us to be thankful and grateful for our blessings from God. That's really where it originated, uh, why we give thanks on this particular day as a nation. But for the Christian, thanksgiving and gratitude are called for, not just on thanksgiving, but 365 days a year. Well, I like how the Heidelberg Catechism puts it, and now I'm going to read, I've given you a sheet that has it on there if you want to read along you have to read question one and two to get the full effect, but question two is where I'm focusing my attention today on the Heidelberg Catechism, written several centuries ago. First question of the Catechism says, What is your only comfort in life and death? And the answer is this, that I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, he has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from all the power of the devil. He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also 
assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for him. Comforting words indeed for the believer. Now question number two says this. What do you need to know in order to live and die in the joy of this comfort? Three things. First, how great my sins and misery are. Second, how, how I am delivered from all my sins and misery. Third, how I am to be thankful to God for such deliverance. Of course, the third one is the one that uh, I'm particularly interested in today, to be thankful. But you can't have the third one unless you got the first two, unless you understand how great your sin and misery are and how you are to be delivered from your sin and misery. It's only when you've been delivered that you truly are grateful for something that's happened to you. Recognizing your sin and misery and understanding that you can only be delivered by Jesus Christ are the first steps in becoming a Christian. If you've never understood that, that you are a sinner and that there's some misery associated with that, then you would never cry out for salvation in Christ. So these, the first two are very important in becoming a Christian. The third thing that is mentioned there, how am I to be thankful to God for such deliverance, that speaks to living out the Christian life. How do we live as Christians? And gratitude is at the heart of that. Patrick Henry, the great patriot, said, Thanksgiving is good. Thanks living is better. Thanks living. I think that's a made-up word uh, for sure. But it's a great made-up word because it communicates that Thanksgiving is not something that we give you know, on occasion. But as believers... All the time, we should be giving thanks to God. It's exactly what Paul talks about in Romans 12.1. I told you I was going to tie these two things together and why I'm uh, preaching this Luke passage to you today. In Romans 12.1, which we looked at last week, Paul writes, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Paul wants each of the believers to whom he's writing, us included, to remember the mercies of God. He's been laying them out in Romans 1 through 11. He's, he begins by telling us how sinful and miserable we are in verse, uh, chapters 1, 2, and on into the first half of chapter 3. No one is good. No one is righteous. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So he paints our sin and misery. And then, beginning in the second half of chapter 3, he tells us how we can be delivered from that. And it's only through the, the righteousness of Christ credited to us. He was the one who was made a propitiation, a sacrifice of atonement for sin. He, God, has provided Christ for us so that we can become his children so that we can be free from the bondage of sin, so that we can be uh, his forever for eternity, so that we can have a hope for eternity. He lays out all the many blessings that we enjoy as believers. And he wants us in Romans 12, 1, to remember all those mercies and then respond. 
How do we respond? By presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. In other words, to give ourselves to the Lord. To be completely His. To to put ourselves at His disposal. To say, whatever you want, Lord. You are the Lord. I am your servant. Do with me as you please. Tell me what you want me to do, and I will do it. The driving force behind that living sacrifice is an understanding of the mercies of God. It's a, it's, a, it's a heart that is full of gratitude for what God has done for us. If we know our sin and misery without Christ and understand the great lengths that he went to save us, bearing the wrath of God for our sin on the cross, then we cannot help but be rejoicing in the Lord Thankful to the Lord, grateful to God for delivering us because we were enemies. Colossians 1.21 says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, we were outcasts from the Lord. We were cursed, Galatians says. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. See, we are under a curse because none of us can perfectly keep the law, Romans 3 tells us. And Romans 6 tells us that we are in bondage to sin, slaves to sin, unless someone frees us. This man, this leper that Jesus encountered, he recognized his sin and his misery. He also understood that Jesus was someone who possibly could, could help. Now, certainly, he was not alone. He, along with the other, the other lepers, understood that, yes, Jesus is somebody that could, could help them. They cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Uh, they had probably uh, heard about Jesus. They had maybe even from a distance... Uh, learned about or, or be, were able to hear him speak to the crowds. They certainly heard of his fame of healing people. And yes, this was great. And they recognized that they needed it. See, they were outcasts. Leprosy uh, is not something that we encounter in our world today. We can treat leprosy. They could not do that then. But leprosy was uh, a death warrant for people in those days. And if you look at uh, the book of Leviticus, there's very specific things people diagnosed with leprosy had to do. They had to get away from people. Leprosy is not highly contagious as most people think, but it is spread by coughing, uh, by uh, contact with fluid from the nose. Don't need to go into any more detail than that. It's disgusting. But if, if, if a leper sneezes on you, you've got problems. That's suffice it to say. So lepers were pushed away, and of course they thought it was contagious because it is easy to catch. It's a bacteria that people get. And so lepers were, were told to, to live outside the camp, away from people, and so they congregated together. And they were to cover their faces. And when anyone came near them, they were to shout, Unclean! Unclean! So everybody would have to stay away from them, would know that they needed to stay away from them. It was a miserable life for a leper. No hope. Uh, there was no cure. 
They had to be, they were ostracized by society. And then you have this one fellow, it's noted here very simply, he was a Samaritan. And that makes him a double outcast, because not only was he a leper, but he was a Samaritan. Now a Samaritan is is an ethnic uh, uh, designation and also a religious designation. Uh, Leper uh, Samaritans were those who, who lived in Samaria when uh, the Assyrians came and they conquered the northern kingdom. The Assyrians had this policy, this foreign policy of taking people from one land that they conquered and moving them to the, this land that they've conquered and moving those people over here and these people and mixing people up. And if you, if you can't speak the language of all the people around you, it's not likely that you're going to bond together and form a revolt. So that's how they kept people under control. Well, some of the poor folks who were left in uh, the northern kingdom intermingled and married with some of these folks from other parts of the world that had been conquered by the Assyrians. And the Assyrians conquered a lot of the world. And their religion, the, the Jewish religion that they had been following was a lot different than the Jewish religion. They didn't quite follow the Old Testament as it was. They had their own brand of religion. And so to the Jews, they were not only uh, heretics because of their religion, but they were half-breeds, to put it bluntly. Heretics and half-breeds. That's how the Samaritans were viewed by the Jews. You see it throughout Scripture. You see the, the tale of the Good Samaritan. The, the Good Samaritan uh, helps this man who is in the ditch and he's been uh, accosted by robbers and left for dead and he's the only one that helps. The priest, the religious leaders don't help at all. It's amazing that a Samaritan would do this because they were looked down upon and Jesus is making a point about, about uh, the Samaritan and how we view people. Samaritans were uh, looked down upon. People... The Jews would walk way out of their way to avoid Samaritans. When Jesus encounters the woman at the well, she's astounded that he, as a Jewish man, would speak to her. You see, the attitude was was prevalent in those days. And here is this this man. You know, these guys all have leprosy, and uh, it's so bad to be a leper that you don't mind hanging out with a Samaritan. They're all in the same boat. They're all going to die. That's how bad it was. But now you think about this Samaritan leper. You know, they're all, they all have heard about Jesus. And, and they're, they see Jesus. They know that he can heal. They've heard his teaching possibly. Uh, they've at least, at least heard about him. And he, he, uh, there he is. And so they cry out to him. They cry out to him. Lord, have mercy. They cry out to Jesus for mercy. Now, the Samaritan leper would probably go, well, he's probably going to heal the other nine and not pay any attention to me because I'm a Samaritan. He would have every uh, reason to believe that that would be how Jesus would treat him if he didn't really know Jesus all that well. So you see this man really does have a deeper grasp of his own misery because not only is he a miserable leper, but he's also a Samaritan asking a Jew for help. And that puts him in kind of a double outcast position. But these guys, these ten lepers, recognized that Jesus could deliver them 
from their misery. And so they cry out to Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now the word master there is that word that is used for uh, rabbi in the, Old, in the Old Testament. Anytime you have a, a Greek translation of the Old Testament, when you come upon the word rabbi, it uses this Greek word that's translated master here. And that's what a rabbi was. A rabbi was not only a teacher. Uh, anyone who put themselves under a rabbi, they were that rabbi's disciples. They were, he was the master. They learned from him. They lived with him. They followed his way of life. The twelve disciples called Jesus rabbi for that reason. Jesus was their teacher. They were his disciples. So they are crying out to him, recognizing his authority, that he is one of these teachers in Israel. And, uh, of course, they had probably heard of his fame, that he was a particularly uh, powerful rabbi and that he could do miracles. He could heal people. So they had this grasp that even though they were in a miserable situation, that Jesus was someone that could help them. Have we come to that place today in our lives where we understand that Jesus is the only one who can deliver us, not from necessarily our physical ailments, but from what's really the problem in our lives. This is our sin. Do we understand that Jesus is the only one who can deliver you from the guilt, penalty, and bondage to your sin? He's the only way to ultimately be delivered from the presence of sin. Sin is the great monster that we face, and that monster lives within each one of us. And you cannot deliver yourself. Your willpower cannot save you no more than willpower or trying could heal these guys who were lepers. And it certainly couldn't change the fact that this man, this one particular leper, was a Samaritan. No willpower in the world could change that. The same is true for us as sinners. Wanting it to be different or trying harder will never heal our real problem. So they cry out to Jesus, Master. They cry out for mercy. Mercy, the word there is eleison. Kyrie eleison. If you're familiar with music, even if classical, sacred, uh, if you've uh, attended a high church, you probably said the Kyrie eleison. Lord, have mercy. Or even if you're a pop singer from the 80s or, or familiar with pop songs from the 80s, Mr. Mr. had one called Kyrie eleison. <laughs> So, they cry out for mercy, for compassion from Jesus, and they have a reason to believe that Jesus will have compassion on us. Have we, have you, cried out to Jesus for mercy? Or are you depending upon yourself? So they cry out to Jesus, and what is Jesus' response? You see it there in verse 14. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourself Show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Isn't that wonderful? They hear what Jesus tells them to do and they all listen and they, they go. And as they go, they're cleansed. So not only have we cried to Jesus for mercy, have we listened to what he says we're supposed to do? when we cry for him to mercy. Now, we don't have to go to the priest because if you're crying out to Jesus for mercy, that's what you're doing. You're going to the great high priest, 
the ultimate high priest. There, there's no need for any other priest as the book of Hebrews and elsewhere tells us. Christ is the ultimate high priest. But we come to him in repentance and faith. We recognize our sin and misery. We recognize uh, that he is the one, the only one who can save us and we seek his mercy. We believe he is the deliverer. See, that's repentance and faith. Recognizing our sin, recognizing that we can't do it on our own, recognizing there is no cure within ourselves for our sin nature. We must come to Christ to be washed, to be cleansed, to be healed spiritually. That's what we are to do. Have you experienced that deliverance yourself today? If, if not, why not? It's free. He doesn't charge for it. He's not like a doctor we have today. And we have all this argument about health care and how expensive health care is and so forth. Well, this kind of health care, this spiritual health care is free. God invites us to take a, a, without money, without cost. It's a free gift from God. He's already done all the work on the cross. He's paid the penalty for sin. The work is all done. Well, if so, if you have experienced that deliverance, how will you show your gratitude? Third point. This Samaritan, unlike the other nine lepers, he was thankful for his deliverance. Verse 15, Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Well, first he went back. He, he, well, first he recognized that he was healed. He, something happened to him. Something happened and he recognized it. And he recognized that it wasn't because he was walking over to the priest. He recognized that it wasn't because he followed a rule uh, or ticked a box. He recognized who really saved him. It wasn't his own effort or his own obedience that saved him. It was Christ that saved him. And so he went back and he praised God. He gave credit where credit was due. He praised God just to himself, silently. No, that's not what it says. He praised God in a loud voice. He wanted everybody to know. He gave God the glory. The Samaritan knew who healed him. And then he threw himself, it says, at Jesus' feet. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet, a deep sign of humility, because he recognized that without Christ intervening in his life, all hope was lost. He was a leper. He was a Samaritan. Uh, on the short end of the stick in every phase of life. And here's Christ healing him and changing his future, changing his life. Now the other nine, we don't know what happened with them. Maybe they went about their lives and, you know, healed and who knows what. We know that they didn't become followers of Christ. They never went back to Christ. Hopefully they did ultimately, maybe one day. But here they didn't. But this one did. He recognized the debt that he owed to Jesus and he threw himself at Jesus' feet. And it's the same of, as us. As we grasp the deliverance that we have in Christ, just like Paul said in Romans 12, I'm, I want to urge you to recognize the mercy of God. He's, 
He's urging it on them. He's appealing to it. Uh, he, he is beseeching them, if you like the King James Version. By the mercy, I beseech you, I urge you, I, I uh, uh, appeal to you by the mercies of God to give yourself a living sacrifice. We have to be appealed to. We have to be uh, beseeched. And we have to be urged because we often become ungracious, un, ungrateful for what God has done for us because we forget. We forget the good things that we have from his hand. So this leper is a great example to us that we owe it all to Jesus. And we must give thanks. And that's the final thing that he did. He praised God with a loud voice. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet and he gave him thanks. quote on the front of your bulletin says, it's from Tim Keller, it's one thing to be grateful, it's another to give thanks. Gratitude is what you feel. Thanksgiving is what you do. Now we can sing the songs of Thanksgiving. We can say we're thankful. You know, most, uh, many people have the tradition when they gather together at the Thanksgiving meal, they'll go around and say, what are you thankful for? Uh, it, notice this, when you go to uh, eat, there's a little tree in the middle. Our children, uh, on Wednesday nights, Kristen had them fill out little things of what they're thankful for. So read some of those. Some are, want, you know, some of them are very uh, serious. Some of them are funny. Uh, and, and, and you'll get a kick out of that. But, you know, we go around and we say the things that we're thankful for, but true gratitude comes from the heart. Have we really grasped what Christ has done for us? Have we experienced what Christ has done? Do you know it yourself? That's the question. How will you give thanks to the Lord? Because it's always appropriate. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 12 months of the year. May the Lord make us truly grateful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for all your good gifts to us. Lord, we pray that everyone here today would not miss out on the greatest gift of all, the gift of salvation that you have provided for us in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that anyone who doesn't know that today would cry out to you for mercy and that they would experience, that they would say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, and that they would find in you redemption and deliverance and salvation and forgiveness and cleansing and, and freedom from bondage to sin. Lord, we pray that we would all remember the mercy of God in Christ. And may we all live lives of gratitude, seeking to please you in everything, to be living sacrifices, to bring you glory and honor, to reflect you in everything. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.